Hi, and welcome to Wednesdays in the Word. I'm John Seipert, pastor of Preston Highlands Baptist Church in Dallas, Texas. On this podcast, I'll be addressing questions that members of our church have sent in regarding the sermon I preached last Sunday. If you'd like to listen to previous sermons, go to PrestonHighlands.org. Or if you'd like to send in a question, you can email it to john at PrestonHighlands.org. Last Sunday, I did a second sermon on the church's mission, the church's mission. We covered on the first Sunday, two weeks ago, the make disciples part of the Great Commission. And then this past Sunday, we focused on the of all nations part of the Great Commission found in Matthew 28. We covered this past Sunday, the international scope of Jesus's command, Jesus's commission, Jesus's final exhortation his final word to his followers before he ascended to his throne in heaven make disciples of all nations panta ta ethne i talked about uh, why we should care about the nations we should care about the nations because jesus told us to care about the nations this command in matthew 28 these words in matthew 28 are a command they're in the imperative tense we're supposed to do this and if we don't do it we're being disobedient we have to get the gospel to all the nations. We have to help people follow Jesus from all the nations, all of the ethnes. And I talked about how the ethnes, the that word for nation there in the New Testament, where we get our word, our word ethnic, and it means an ethnic group, a grouping of people with the same ethnicity. They have a common cultural uh, background and a common language. And there are approximately 17,000 or so ethnic groups or people groups in the world today and over 7,000 of these people groups still are considered unreached meaning they do not have a sustainable christian movement where they can propagate the gospel and reproduce themselves within that group and so and many of those groups i forget the numbers but many of those unreached groups are also unengaged meaning there's no one there doing any mission work, any cross-cultural evangelism, they are completely cut off from the gospel. And so Jesus says to make disciples of all these groups, all these nations, all these ethnes, all these ethnic groups must be discipled. That's his command. So we should do it because he says so. And then I also talked about how we should uh, care about the nations because, because Paul made it his ambition to get the gospel to where Christ was not um, named. This is Romans 15. Paul made it his ambition. He literally used the word ambition. I make it my ambition, my goal, my aim to preach Christ where he is not named. I mean, there is no gospel preaching. There is no church. There are no Christians. And and in and, and those places, he wants to go. He wants to preach. He wants to plant churches. He wants to make disciples. And uh, he made it his life ambition to do so. And so we should do so as we follow his example. So we follow Jesus' command. We follow Paul's example. I also talked about how this is God's ultimate goal for the world. God's ultimate goal in the world is to be glorified in his son by calling a people, by gathering a people from all the ethnic groups of the world around his son, Jesus, for the praise of his name. This is Revelation 5. Jesus says that he's purchased the people from all the nations, tribe, tongue, and languages. And in Revelation 7, 
uh, people from every tribe, tongue, tongue, nation, and language will be gathered around the throne of Jesus on the last day, shouting and singing and praising the Lord for saving them. This is where history is headed. A people, a people, a gathering made up of, of people from all the peoples of the world. And our job is to get the word of Jesus to those who haven't heard it yet. Because Jesus told us to, because it was Paul's ambition, and because it's God's ultimate goal in history. We should be about this business, no matter what we're about. We should be about this, this business of making disciples of all the nations. God's heart beats for the nations. I just listened to a, a sermon today by David Platt, and he really challenged me. He always does uh, to think carefully about, you know, the things we're ultimately concerned about. And he said something to the effect of um, we care more about the good of our nation than we do about the salvation of all the nations. And he wasn't saying we shouldn't care about our nation. Of course, we should. We should be faithful, the faithful people of God in our generation and this place and time but not at the expense of missing what God has clearly stated is his goal in the world. <laughs> his goal in the world is to get his word and the beauty of his son, the message of the beauty and mercy of his son to all the peoples of the world, people who are made in his image, people who are perishing with no knowledge of his precious son. This is our command, uh, Paul's example, and God's goal. And several questions came in, several really good questions. I think it's four questions. I'm going to do my best to get through them quickly. Really good, practical questions about international missions and getting the gospel to the nation. So let me just go through them one at a time. The first question is, how does a believer know whether or not they have the gift of international missions? How does a believer know whether or not they have the gift of international missions? Well, I would start by saying there is not a gift of international missions stated in the New Testament. There are lots of specific spiritual gifts in the New Testament. International missions is not one of them. And as I've already explained in the Great Commission, Jesus says that all of his fathers, uh, followers should be about the Great Commission, should be about the nations. Everyone who claims to be a follower of Jesus has the inherent responsibility to care about all the nations of the world also following Jesus. Go, therefore, make disciples of all the nations. So this is a responsibility for all the people of God through all the times, uh, through all the ages, at all times, and in every place. So there aren't uh, specific spiritual gifts for a select few who are supposed to care about missions, you know, pastors and missionaries and and, and those kind of people. No, if you're a Christian, <laughs> if you love Jesus and believe the Bible, then you're supposed to care deeply about the nations, the ethnies, the people groups of the world, of which you're a part, by the way. You're a part of them. And the gospel came to you, praise God. And it's now our responsibility to get it out to others. So how, how do we know whether we should do that is another question. So even though it's not a gift, there are some who should do it and will do it and some who won't. I said clearly on Sunday, not everyone is supposed to be or should be a cross-cultural missionary. 
In fact, it has been disastrous when the wrong people end up doing cross-cultural mission work. They're not called. They're not trained. They're not ready. They don't have the right character. Just something is not right. They end up on the mission field and it goes badly and it hurts them and their families and the church and people they're trying to reach. So how do you know? How do you know if you're supposed to be doing international missions? Well, the first thing I would say is, of course, I'm assuming that you're praying. I don't want to spend too much time there. So I'm assuming you're praying about this, talking to the Lord about this on a regular basis. And then I don't want to assume that you're actively involved in a local church and talking to your elders about what you're thinking. You need to be actively involved in a local church and talking to your elders about what you're thinking, what you're feeling, what you're processing, what you think the Lord is calling you into. You need to be involved in local church so other people, other Christians can see and help you see and discern your gifts. You know, they're going to spot things in your life that you might not have seen, both positively and negatively. Things that can either affirm you, confirm you as, you know, as thinking that you're on the, the path towards international mission work or not. And either way is okay. You know, again, it's not like the varsity people, the varsity Christians are the ones who go overseas and then the JV ones are all the rest of us who stay home. No, uh, there's a diverse um, giftedness within the church of Christ. And that's a beautiful thing. It's a God-given thing. Some will go and everybody else sins <laughs> and we're all part of the same mission. The way you discern whether you should go primarily is talking to God, but that's pretty subjective because a lot of people have said, oh, well, God told me to do X, Y, and Z, when in fact they probably didn't really get that from God. So yes, talk to God, pray fast, seek the Lord, seek the Lord, seek the Lord. And while you're doing that, get as active as you can in your local church. Start serving in every way you can in your local church so that other brothers and sisters can start to see and help you see and discern your gifts. You know, and, and, and elders can start to observe you and talk with you and and help you discern your giftedness and your calling, the direction that you want to go. Some of the things that church members and elders will need to help you see and, and questions they'll need to ask are, are you faithful in evangelism? Are you faithful to share the gospel? Are you fruitful in evangelism? In other words, when you share the gospel, do people listen? Not, you know, do you have a 100% conversion rate, conversion is in the hands of the Lord. But are you fruitful? Does your does your testimony, does your sharing, does your ministry bear fruit? Is there fruitfulness? Is there faithfulness in your ministry to unbelievers? That's what a mission worker does. Primarily, among other things, they are trying to reach the lost with the gospel. And, you know, we don't want to ever send someone overseas who's not doing that right here. That would be just so illogical to send you and spend thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars to put you on an airplane, to go overseas to another culture, to do what you are not even doing right here. Like, that's just insane. <laughs> Nobody would think that's a good idea. Um, so you need members of the church. You need friends. You need pastors, elders asking you about evangelism. Who are you sharing with? Who are you praying for? Who are you trying to reach with the gospel? Is evangelism a way of life for you? Or is evangelism something that you kind of don't really do very much? And you just, for whatever reason, don't seem to see much fruit from it. 
So we want to help you think through your evangelism. We want to make sure too, especially as elders, we want to make sure you have a, a good grasp of sound doctrine, that you really understand the gospel, that you really understand the word, and that you really understand the importance of the local church, that you have a good grounding in theology and in particular soteriology, how someone's saved, and ecclesiology or the doctrine of the church. So we want to send people, I know me as a pastor in our church, we want to send people to the nations that have good theological heads on their shoulders. They understand basic sound doctrine, the basics of the faith, the word of God and the gospel and the doctrine of the church. And if you do have these um, understandings, if you are growing in these things, then you are uh, on, on the right path. You're, in, you're headed in the right direction to be someone who then can go somewhere else and teach others these things that you embrace and that you're growing in yourself. So there's not a gift of international missions, but you can do certain specific things to help yourself discern whether you should do international missions. And I'll summarize them again. Pray, get involved in a local church, talk with your elders regularly, and be thinking carefully and be talking to others about your evangelism and be growing in sound doctrine. So that's the first question. Second question. If I don't feel called to be a missionary right now, does that mean I won't be in the future? If I don't feel called to be a missionary right now, does that mean I won't be in the future? No, of course it doesn't. Of course it doesn't. As soon as I read this question, I thought of two different families, one in our church and one not in our church who went on to the mission field later in life. I'm thinking of one couple who left their jobs, their kids, their grandkids, the comforts of America in their 70s to go spend a few years in Israel as cross-cultural missionaries working there to reach Jewish people and Arab people. I'm thinking of another couple who uh, in their 50s, I think right when they turned 50, they felt called to mission. So they quit their full-time jobs. They were making really good money and they quit their job and went to seminary and started getting trained up and then were sent to the field for 10 years working amongst the unreached and unengaged people of the world. So as many people are kind of starting to coast, they changed their career path completely and went to the nations, leaving their grown children and grandchildren behind for a decade. And so, no, there's there's nothing that says you you have to be a missionary or you have to become a missionary during this specific window of time. You know, you're out of college or you're right out of college, you're out of seminary or you're in your 20s or something. You don't have kids yet. You're not married yet. And that's the time you're supposed to become a missionary. No, of course not. You can become a missionary at any point in your life. Even Jesus didn't begin his public ministry until the age 30. Paul was later in life when he started, when he was saved and started his public ministry. So there's not a specific window of opportunity that you'll, that you can somehow miss if you don't sign up for mission work during that time. I pray that many people in our church, young, medium age, <laughs> and old, older, would catch a vision for international missions and go to the nations at some point. 
whether short-term, medium-term, or long-term, I pray that our church would have the privilege of sending many folks to the field, whatever stage of life they find them in, uh, themselves in. Again, this is uh, this brings up the importance of being involved in a local church and having elders to help you think through the timing. You know, is it a good time for you to go and uproot your life here and go plant your life somewhere else? It might not be. You might want to, but it might just not be the right time. You know, you might have a very sick child or spouse or uh, aging parents who are getting close to the end of their lives. There are any number of reasons why we might push pause on our desires, our burdens, our callings, our, our drive to go to the nations and, and just wait. Um, but I will say, too, you know, the flip side of that is we don't want to if we do sense and the, the church is confirming, elders are confirming that that's the direction you should move in. You don't want to just wait until the absolute perfect opportune time, because that time will never come. There will always be sacrifice when you go. <laughs> You're never going to go to the nations without sacrifice. Jesus says plainly, you know, you have to leave mothers, fathers, brothers, sisters, lands. And he says, if you do this for my sake, you'll receive more now in this life and in the age to come. You will have to set some things aside for the greater glory of making Christ known among the nations. And so there'll, there'll never be a perfect time to go, but there might be some seasons in our lives where we need to wait. We need to push pause. We need to get further training, perhaps. Maybe we do need to go to seminary for a little while or get trained up in our local churches for a couple years. Any number of things could need to be done before you get to the field. So just if you can't go just now, that doesn't mean that you won't be able to go ever. The third question is a two-part question. It goes like this. How should I choose missionaries to support? Should I support just any missionary or person who wants to go to the nations? Or is there a way I should go about selecting who I give to? Great question. How do we choose missionaries to support? Well, no, we shouldn't support just any missionary or person who wants to go to the nations. And this will be tempting, especially if you have a lot of Christian friends and you've been in the church a while. And it seems like more and more and more and more and more people that you know maybe you went to college with or seminary with or you just went to church with or whatever, you start to meet more and more more people who are, are doing this, that, and the other uh, among the nations or even at home. And, and they're fundraising and they need support and they need your help. And it can be really discouraging to not be able to help everyone. It can be almost like we can feel guilty, like if we don't help everybody that asks us for help and give money towards every short-term mission trip, every long-term missionary that we know or have contact with. So how do we discern? How do we know who we should support and, and, and that kind of thing? How do we select who we give to? Well, two things. I'll just say two things. First, doctrinal agreement. Doctrinal agreement. Make sure the person you're supporting is preaching the same gospel that you believe. And make sure they're emphasizing the things that you would want to emphasize. Think So, you know, they don't have to have they don't have to agree with everything um, theologically that you want them to, but they should have the gospels, their main emphasis. They should, in my opinion, have a very high view of God and a right understanding of justification by faith alone, through grace alone, in Christ alone. I mean, 
like I said, they should understand the gospel very clearly and thoroughly. They should believe in the absolute authority of God's word. They should be unwavering in that. They, they might differ on, on secondary and tertiary issues, but they need to have substantial doctrinal agreement with you before you support them. And then more practically, the second thing I would say is, uh, as far as how do you know who to support? Well, and this goes back to last week on making disciples. How do you know who to disciple? How do you know who to, to support? Well, start as close to home as possible. Galatians 6.10 has been such a freeing verse in my life. Galatians 6.10. As you have opportunity, do good to all people, especially to the household of faith. And the principle is so clear and so practical and so helpful. Start close to home and then move out from there and do as much as you can, knowing that you can't do everything. So as you have opportunity, do as much good as you can. But make sure, Christian, make sure you're starting close to home. So how could that work in our lives practically? Well, you know, maybe you have a maybe you're um, an empty nester and your children are growing and grown and gone out of the house. And one of them feels called the missions. Well, that's pretty close to home. <laughs> you know, assuming you have doctrinal agreement, you'd probably want to support them. Um, more specifically for most of us, we're members in a local church. And so if there are other members of our local church who feel called to missions and are doing missions internationally or serving international people here in our city or in your local context, then support them first. Support them first. They're they're part of your faith family. You have a special responsibility to support them, to see that their needs are met. You've actually covenanted to do life together and take responsibility for each other's good and well-being. Part of that means if one of you decides to take the gospel over to you know, North Africa, well, you need to do everything you can, both as an individual church member and then the church as a whole, to support that work, that worker. And then move out from there. You know, if God's blessed you with lots of disposable income and you're able to give to some friends, other friends outside of your local church, you know, friends from college or friends from other churches or friends from, you know, where you grew up or whatever. If you're able to give to these other things, great. I would just stress that your primary giving to missionaries should be to those that are super close to you. Start with those right in front of your face. <laughs> Start with those that you're going to hear reports from when they come home. You know, they're going to come back to your church. They're going to have dinner in your home. They're going to know your name. You're going to know their kids. You know, you're doing life together. Start there and then move out as you're able. And this brings up and leads to the fourth and final question. It's a related question, but slightly different. The question goes like this. Should I give directly to them, this missionary, or to a mission organization like the International Mission Board or Frontiers or Pioneers or, or what have you, Wycliffe Bible Translators, or should I give directly to my local church? Should I give directly to the missionary, to a mission sending agency, or to the local church? Well, I think I would just say it depends. Uh, it depends on the situation. If the missionary is not a part of your church, or even if they are a part of your church, uh, you can totally support them directly. If they're not uh, being sent by a, an agency like the IMB, the International Mission Board, that 
that fully funds their missionaries, then they'll be raising support. And so you'll, if you want to, give directly to them. Now, granted, you'll you'll give to them through their mission sending agency, but you won't give to them the way that you would give to an IMB missionary. So as Southern Baptists, we happily cooperate with what's called a cooperative program so that a little bit of our giving goes to the cooperative program, which funds over 4,000 missionaries around the world. And plus, it also funds church planters and theological education here at home as well. So when we give to our local church, a portion of what we give to our church goes to these missionaries and these seminaries and these church planters. And um, so we are supporting in a way, if you give to this local church, you're supporting over 4,000 missionaries and you didn't even know it. So uh, you can just continue to give faithfully to your church and knowing that some of that is supporting IMB missionaries. You can give directly to the International Mission Board. You can go to imb.org and just give as much as you want. And you can give to specific missionaries or projects that specific missionaries are doing, uh, IMB missionaries are doing. But I would close by just saying this. I think our giving, more broadly speaking, most broadly speaking, our giving should be focused on our local churches. Um, I'm actually doing a sermon in a couple of weeks on our generosity, the church's generosity. So we'll cover this in more depth. I'll just quickly say the principle here is, again, start close to home and work out from there. Galatians 6, 6 says this, let the one who is taught the word share all good things with the one who teaches. So a good application of this is that since your local church is your primary source of teaching, it should be the primary recipient of your giving. So give to your local church first and and let those gifts then trickle down through other mission agencies and into other missionaries, ministries. Our local church gives a hefty amount of our uh, income as a church to the International Mission Board. We give money to specific missionaries. And my heart's desire... Many of you have heard me say this over and over again. I want to give more. I hope our church in the years can come can just give more and more and more and more to missions. And so as we give to our church, we actually are giving more to missions. And so it doesn't have to be either or. It is a both end. I think we start with the church and then on top of that, we can give to missionaries as we feel led, as we're able to. And thus, in our giving, even if we never go, if we never get on an airplane, if we never leave the United States of America, we are helping fulfill the Great Commission. We are helping make disciples of all the nations. We are following Paul's example. We are supporting workers who are getting the gospel where there is no gospel. That's all for this episode of Wednesdays in the Word. Thanks for sending in your questions. If you want to listen to previous sermons, go to PrestonHighlands.org. Or if you'd like to send in a question, you can email it to John at PrestonHighlands.org. Until next week, may God use all of us for His glory in this generation.